Well, today we are starting a series called God Says, and depending on your church background, you might be a little bit uncomfortable with that title. And if you are just starting to explore your uh, relationship with Jesus, if you aren't sure that you believe any of this yet, and uh, someone says that God said something to them, you might find that to be really odd. And some of us have people in our lives that talk about what God says a lot. They say, God told me this, or God told me to do this, or God said this to me. And some of them even will tell you that they hear an actual audible voice when God speaks to them. I remember one lady in our church in Arizona who kept telling me about different times that she would hear God's voice. And every time she told me this over the course of a couple of years, the story seemed to start with, well, I was in the shower or I was getting out of the shower I don't know why, but it seemed like God always spoke to her when she was naked. I, I don't know why, but that seemed to be the case. Now, I guess it's possible for God to speak to us in an audible voice, and he could do that, but I don't think that that's how he communicates with us most of the time. While I believe that I have heard God speak to me, I have never heard God speak in an audible voice. Most of the time, when he speaks to us today, he speaks to us through words written in the Bible, words that he communicated to us through the pages of this. And, you know, we're dealing with a problem or we have a decision that we need to make and we pray and we ask for God's help and then we're reading the Bible and a passage that we've read many times just jumps out at us or several passages seem to confirm a direction that we should go. And Sometimes God speaks to us through people. And sometimes it's just through a friend giving us some advice. And sometimes it's in different ways. I remember a person that I'd never met before talking to me for a while. And then just before they left, they said, you know, I feel like God wants me to say something to you. And they proceeded to give me this message and it was very interesting, and I listened, I paid attention, and I remembered especially one phrase that he said kind of stood out. And I remember driving home that evening, and on the way home, I remember thinking, God, that, that was kind of strange, but if that's what you want me to hear, I want to pay attention to that, so would you confirm that? And it was just a few weeks later that I was talking to another person, somebody who didn't know about the situation, someone who didn't know the person who had talked to me. And while she was talking, she said, uh, she was telling me about something God had done in her life. And she said, I shouldn't be surprised by this because God told me, and she used the exact phrase that had stood out to me, word for word. And I mean, I was a little shocked. So I said, can you repeat that? And she, again, verbatim, gave me the same phrase, and I knew God was confirming what he had said to me. And other times, God just impresses something on our heart through his spirit, and it just won't let go. We know that we have to do something because that impression is just so strong, and it stays there, and it's lasting. And so when someone says to you, God said this to me, or God told me to do this, or uh, God spoke to me and said, they could mean any of those things that 
I just mentioned to you. And as weird as the concept is that God would speak to us, isn't that what you really want? I mean, wouldn't it really help you sometimes to have God speak to you directly in a voice? I mean, wouldn't it be helpful? You're trying to make a decision. You're trying to figure out what God wants you to do. Wouldn't it be great if in the midst of that, while you're there praying about it, you heard the voice that said, yes, take that job. Or, no, don't date that jerk. Right? Or, you don't need that dessert. You know, wouldn't that be helpful? Now, here's the deal. Most of us have never heard God speak to us in an audible voice, but I believe with all my heart that God is saying something to you, that he's trying to communicate to you and to me, and that's why we crack open the pages of the Bible each and every weekend here at Impact, because we want to hear from him. And in this series, we're going to look at three messages that God is giving to all of us. It might apply differently in each of our cases, but three messages that I know that he is giving to each of us. And we're going to explore what God says about each one of them in the Bible. This weekend, we're talking about God says, stop, end that sin habit. And next weekend, we'll say, God says, wait, trust my timing. And then on Father's Day weekend, we'll complete the series with God says, go, live the adventure. And so with that introduction to the series, let's jump in and let's hear God say, stop, end that sin habit. Many years ago, Sports Illustrated magazine interviewed Los Angeles Dodgers manager Tommy Lasorda. Now, my brother-in-law and my sister just arrived. They're here from California. Welcome them. And they're Dodger fans. I know. I never have been either. But, but I did like this interview with Tommy Lasorda. And in the interview, Tommy Lasorda describes his battle with bad habits. And he said that he looked at a pack of cigarettes. And he took it out of his pocket and he stared at it. And he said, who's stronger, you or me? And the answer was me. So Lasorda said he stopped smoking. He said, then I looked at a vodka martini and I said, who's stronger, you or me? He said, again, the answer was me, so I quit drinking. He said, then I went on a diet and I looked at a big plate of linguine with clam sauce and I said, who's stronger, you or me? Lasorda said, a little clam looked up and answered, I am. <laughs> and Lasorda concluded, I can't beat linguine. Now, the truth is that when some of us look at some of our habits, many of us feel like we just can't do it, that those habits, those addictions are stronger than we are. And if we're honest, many of us looked at the title of today's message and we immediately thought of a sin habit a sin struggle that we've been dealing with for some time. You might have thought of your anger or your greed. You might have thought of gossip. Maybe you thought of lust or pride or dishonesty 
or a critical spirit, or maybe you focused on an addiction, drinking or drugs or overeating. It could be any number of things. And if you are already a Christ follower, when we are struggling with a sin habit, we feel so ashamed. We feel so much guilt. We feel like hypocrites that maybe we shouldn't be at church at all. And whatever your sin habit, there is one thing I want you to know. You're not alone. You are not alone. There are others here who are also struggling with sin habits. And if you want to know who they are, just look around. Look around because each person here struggles with something. And probably there is someone in this room who is struggling with exactly what you are struggling with. And I want to be sure that you hear this clearly. Impact is not a place for perfect people or for pretending people. This is not a place for perfect people or for pretending people. You don't have to pretend that you have it all together here. You don't have to pretend to be holy here. We already know that you're struggling with sin. And the reason that we know that is because we are too. You don't have to pretend here. And if you really are perfect, you're not going to be happy here. Because all the perfect people apparently left our church a long time ago. We are all imperfect. And this isn't a place for perfect people or for pretending people. This is a place where imperfect people come together to find help and encouragement and to find the strength and the hope to keep trying to become the person that Christ created us to be, the person that Christ desires us to become. So write this down. Impact is a place to belong and a place to become. It's a place to belong and a place to become. This is a place where you can belong, where you can find others who are doing their best to follow Jesus and to become more like him. And it's okay for all of us to be in the process of growing, in the process of overcoming our sin, but it's not okay for us to decide to stay in our sin. It's not okay for us to just keep sinning and not care. We need to be in the process of letting Jesus change our lives and when we will let him do that, he will help us change our sin habits because pretty soon what started out as fun and exciting becomes a trap that begins to ruin us. It becomes a trap that begins to ruin us. Now, make no mistake about it, sin is fun. It's appealing. It's exciting for a time. And then it becomes a painful part of our life. It becomes a painful part of who we are that we have to hide. And here's the truth that most of us have learned the hard way. The more you do what you like, the less you like what you do. The more you do what you like, the less you like what you do. 
So we all arrive at a place where we want to get rid of a sin habit. And maybe we try really, really hard. Maybe you've tried several times to overcome the habit and you've failed. Here are some things that get in the way. Let me quickly mention three roadblocks that, to ending a sin habit. The first is the problem of comparison. This is where you say, I'm better I'm better. You look around and you compare yourself to the other people around you and you say, I know what I'm doing is bad, but it's not as bad as what that person is doing. And if you can convince yourself that you are better than most of the people around you, you will never end the sin habit. The next one is the problem of contentment where you say, I'm there I'm there. And this is usually a person who was a huge sinner who, have been, who has been rescued by Jesus in the past and they've come to Jesus and they've grown quite a ways and they keep looking back at how far they've grown and they think that they have spiritually arrived and they think they're there so they're really not seeing the sin that Jesus wants them to stop, pride or gossip or greed they're not seeing it as a sin because they think they're already there and they don't need to grow anymore. And the last one is the problem of confidence. And this one says, I can't. I can't. And this one's probably the biggest roadblock to ending a sin habit. I mean, people have honestly tried. They've tried several times. They can chart for you the different ways they tried to get rid of that sin habit. And they can tell you how they failed each time. And now they've given up. They don't believe it anymore that they can beat sin. They are focused or they believe that they are forced to live in their sin forever because they just can't overcome it. And if we're talking about Using your own willpower to beat sin, you're right. You can't overcome it. It takes the strength that Jesus gives to us and using his wisdom to end our sin habit. And to do that, we need to hear from God. We need to hear him say, stop. You can end that sin habit. And we need to hear him say, I will help you. I will help you. Today, let's look at several steps that will help us stop when God says stop. Let's look at four steps for breaking a sin habit. The first is this, choose to change. Choose to change. Now, the Bible word for this process of choosing to change is repent. Repent. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. At that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Many today, when they see the word repent, they think it means to say you're sorry, to be sincerely sorry for your actions. But the verse points out that to repent means more than that. To repent means to turn back to God. It means to turn away from sin and turn towards God with a determination to change our actions. It's being sorry enough for your sins that you're willing to change your behavior. I think a big part of our problem today is that many in our world have a lack of sincere sorrow in their lives. I mean, many followers of Jesus really lack the ability to have a sincere sorrow at the fact that what they're doing is sin. Sometimes 
we even understand we're sinning, but we just don't even feel regret for what we're doing. I remember many years ago, a Christian man who's not a member of the church here said to me, I know cheating in business is a sin, but in business, we all cut corners and we ask other people to cut corners. That's the only way to make it. He said, the companies that don't cut corners are out of business today. Now, he may be right about business, but he's not right with God. He's not right with God, and I'd rather be out of business than out of God's will. Many Christians can't repent because they've rationalized why, why continuing their sin is okay. They've rationalized why continuing their sin is okay. They think that they have a good reason for their sin. As a matter of fact, they think that they are the exception to God's rule. I mean, they've convinced themselves. They understand God says this is wrong, but they've convinced themselves in their circumstance, in their situation, what they're doing is okay and that God would understand and that he would be okay with that. And they continue their sin habit and they don't even believe that they need to pay attention to God asking them to stop. Or they've bought into the lie that our culture feeds so many today that God's guidelines are outdated, that they're impractical, so they believe they can ignore that. But God meant what he said about sin. He means what he says about sin. He wants you to stop sinning, and he wants you to stop sinning, not because he's trying to spoil your fun, but because he knows your sin will hurt you, and it will hurt those around you. He asks you to stop because he loves you. He loves you. And there is no rationalizing your sin habit. If it's sin... God wants it to stop. And that starts with real repentance. It starts with a real repentance that means a willingness to change. And that is the consistent teaching of Scripture. Let's go through a few verses very quickly. Daniel chapter 4, Daniel says this, Your majesty, please be willing to do what I say. Turn from your sins and start living right. And then Luke 3 we read this, do the things that show you really have changed your heart and lives. And then in Acts chapter 26, we read this, I preached first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem and through Judea, and also to the Gentiles that all must forsake their sin and turn to God and prove their repentance by doing good deeds. So it starts with a choice. It begins with a choice. Am I going to keep going my own way and keep sinning, or am I going to choose to change? True repentance will mean that we're going to choose to do it God's way, and it will mean that we're willing to sincerely change our actions and our heart. That's the first step in breaking a sin habit. The second is this. Get comfortable running away. Get comfortable running away. Now, again, what God has communicated here may surprise you. We don't sit around and fight temptation. We run from it. Look at what Paul said to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6, we read this. Timothy, you belong to God, so keep away from all these evil things. Try your best to please God and to be like him. Be faithful and loving and dependable and gentle. 
And then in 2 Timothy chapter 2, we read this. Run from anything that gives you the evil thoughts that young men often have, but stay close to anything that makes you want to do right. A strong believer who lived hundreds of years ago said it this way. He said, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. You can't stop birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. And our problem is sometimes we want to see how close we can get to sin, how much we can flirt with sin. We want to walk that line right on the edge of what's right and what's wrong. And the Bible says that's foolish. Again, the verses said that when we face temptation, We don't stop to evaluate it. We don't stop to pray about it. We don't rebuke it. We run. We run. And uh, in the Old Testament, Joseph lived in a terrible situation of temptation. He was a slave, and his master's wife, who was quite beautiful, was trying to seduce him. And the Bible tells us that every day she said to him, go to bed with me. And every day he refused. And one day she grabbed a hold of him and said, come to bed with me. And Joseph ran away so quickly that she ripped off part of his clothes. And he didn't stop to go back and get them. He just kept running. And it occurs to me there have been many times when I could have avoided sin if I'd just run like a coward rather than trying to be brave and strong. Running from sinful circumstances might mean ending a friendship with someone who constantly pulls you away from God and towards sin. It it might mean finding a new job. We need to learn to run from sin, to stay out of sin territory. All of us have certain situations that tempt us, and it's smart to stay away from the situation that causes you to be tempted. Many years ago when uh, I was a fairly young guy, I was going to lunch with a friend and he picked me up at my office and we decided where we were going to go to lunch and we got in the car and he immediately turned the wrong direction. And I said, isn't this the long way? And he looked a little embarrassed and he said, well, Steve, it's lunchtime at the high school and I have figured out that if I take a different road, if I don't drive by the high school at lunchtime, that helps me to avoid lust a pretty good choice on his part. Someone has written about this. They called it an autobiography in five chapters. Let's walk through it. Chapter one said this, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. It takes me forever to find my way out. Chapter two, I walk down the same street. I pretend to not see the hole in the sidewalk. I fall in again. It still takes me a long time to get out. Chapter three, I walk down the same street, I see the hole in the sidewalk, and I still fall in. It's a habit. I get out immediately. Chapter 4, I walk down the same street, I walk around the hole in the sidewalk. And here's chapter 5, I walk down a different street. Let me ask you, isn't it time for you to just walk down a different street? Get comfortable running from that sin habit. The third step is this. Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. It's wise for us to ask other Christians to give us advice and to help us as we try to find the strength to stop a bad habit. Look at these scriptures. Proverbs 12, 15 says this. Fools think they know what is best, but a sensible person listens to advice. 
And then Proverbs 15 says this, without good advice, everything goes wrong. It takes careful planning for things to go right. And then James 5 says this, if you have sinned, you should tell each other what you have done. Then you can pray for one another and be healed. The prayer of an innocent person is powerful and it can help a lot. Now, what that verse seems to say is that we should be telling others about our sin. Does that mean we should start passing around a microphone right now and sharing our deepest, darkest sins in this service? No, I don't think that's what that means at all. But I do think that it means that we will be helped if we find some trustworthy people to talk honestly about our struggles and our sin with. We need to give ourselves spiritual input uh, in our lives from other people. And I'm not talking about finding the people who will always tell you what you want to hear or even people who will constantly tell you how bad you are both of those would be damaging and more damaging than helpful but you do need some people to help you and to advise you so let me give you a few suggestions on this first seek advice from someone who is unbiased this probably means your chief advisor cannot be your spouse they're probably too close to the situation to be completely unbiased. They will probably make excuses for you or they'll be too hard uh, on you. So find someone who is not biased. Secondly, seek advice from someone who is safe. You have to be wise about this. If you're struggling to fix your marriage, you want to talk to someone who believes in marriage and who wants yours to succeed. You probably don't want to talk to that friend that's been divorced three times and is bitter a safe person is one that you can count on not to spread all of the news that you give them. And so you probably want to avoid people who seem to struggle with gossip. And generally, if you're talking about your sin, it is safer to avoid friends of the opposite sex because working through problems can build this deeper intimacy among friends. Next, seek advice from someone who is ahead of you. Now, this one just seems to be obvious, but if you want to uh, do something that is more spiritual, that is following after God, you probably ought to be talking to people who you see as more spiritual than yourself. You probably don't want to talk to somebody who is brand new in their faith. You probably want to talk to someone who's ahead of you. And then seek advice from someone who is brutally honest. Do you have a friend like that? They're brutally honest even when you don't want them to be. They always say things that come off it's just a little bit rude. Well, when you are seeking advice and trying to overcome a sin habit, that is not the time to have your friends who always want to be nice and don't want to hurt your feelings. That's when you need someone who's going to tell you the truth even when they know it will hurt you. Someone who will not sugarcoat it. Someone who will call you to God's standards even if you get mad at them. And all of us need help as we try to let God uh, help us end our sin habits. So don't try to do it alone. By the way, if you're struggling to overcome a hurt or a habit or a hang-up, our Celebrate Recovery ministry that we call Revolution meets every Friday night. And it is a great place for you to meet safe people who can help you and struggle with you as you seek to find God's help. And also, you ought to be in one of our growth groups. Our growth groups are a great place to find the help and support that you need. And if you're not yet in a growth group or you want more information on Revolution, just stop by the Next Steps canopy at the back of the room before you leave and someone there will help you get uh, the help that you need. Lastly, 
take positive steps forward. Take positive steps forward. Have you noticed that so far we've pretty much talked about deciding right and thinking right and getting others to help you think right and make good decisions? So far we've chosen to change or repent and we've tried to get comfortable with the idea of running and we've decided not to do it alone now it's time for specific action so let me give you a few action steps that you can begin doing right now first get back on track get back on track look at what this says in second timothy 3 but you should continue following the teachings you learned you know they are true because you you trust those who taught you Too often, when we're in the midst of a sin habit, we get so embarrassed or we feel so much shame or we feel so guilty that we just kind of push away from God and we push back from the things that help us stay close to God. We stop going to church or we stop going to our growth group or we stop reading our Bible or we stop praying. And then when we do those things, then we wonder why we feel worse, not better. But we do. So get back on track. When you're dealing with temptation, when you're dealing with sin, keep doing the right things. In fact, do them even more. Keep reading your Bible. Read it even more. Keep praying. Pray even more. Keep coming to church. Don't skip your growth group. Get involved in serving. In fact, do all of those things as much as you can because they will help you overcome your habits. They will give you lots of help to do it. And I just want to say, maybe you've fallen back in your faith. Maybe you've taken some time off. Maybe you are here again for the first time in a long time and you can't believe how far from God that you have been and you've stumbled in your Christian walk and you've been embarrassed and ashamed of some of your choices. Can I tell you, don't be embarrassed that you've fallen. Get up. Get up and get back on track. Start again. We won't condemn you. You don't have to be embarrassed because we've all been there. We've all had that happen to us too. So get up and get back on track. Secondly, start using the escape route. Start using the escape route. Maybe this scripture would be a good one for you to put on your mirror or somewhere where you will see it a lot. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 10. But remember this, the wrong desires that come into your life aren't anything new and different. Many others have faced exactly the same problems before you, and no temptation is irresistible. You can trust God to keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it, for he has promised this and will do what he says. He will show you how to escape temptation's power so that you can bear up patiently against it. Did you catch God's promise in these verses? He says, no temptation is irresistible. There is no such thing as an irresistible temptation. God says that he always provides a way of escape. God says that we will always have a path out, that we will always have a way to avoid or escape sin. We can say no to sin because no temptation is irresistible. Now, if that's true, why do we sin so much? Is it because God didn't keep his promise? No. No, it's not. It's because we didn't use the escape route he provided. 
We didn't use the strength that he has given to us to stand up against sin. So an action that you can take is just to begin using the escape route. Constantly pray that God will show you the path out. That he will show you the way that you can say no to sin. And that might be going back to the step we talked about, about getting comfortable with running from sin. And again, you may have to walk down some different streets before you escape from old temptations. Lastly, and this one's important, focus on God's grace. Focus on God's grace. It's so easy in the midst of our guilt and shame, especially when we've been fighting the same sin habit over and over and we just feel so defeated. It's easy for us to focus on our guilt, but our focus ought to be on God's goodness instead. Look at these verses from Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. When I'm failing to overcome sin habits, one of the most difficult things for me is to focus on God's forgiveness and God's goodness and God's grace. It seems easy for me to focus on God's goodness when things are going well and when I'm succeeding spiritually. And, um, but it's especially important for me to focus on his mercy, on his grace, on his undeserved forgiveness when I have fallen and when I failed in my relationship with God. These verses say that remembering God's grace is one of the keys to overcoming sinful habits. That focusing on his love is one of the things that will help us escape. We need to focus on his love for us and his forgiveness for us and the fact that he loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin and for your sin. And understanding and appreciating God's grace is the quickest way to overcome harmful habits. It motivates us to let Jesus change us. Overcoming sin is not a matter of being good enough. It's a matter of being grateful enough. When I really understand what Jesus did to help forgive me, to make, to provide forgiveness for me, that makes me want to respond by following him fully. So let's hear God clearly today. He is saying, stop it. You can end that sin habit. You can do it. And he's saying, I will help you. I will help you. The question is, are you ready to make that choice? Are you ready to take that step to end our sin habits? To do that, we have to believe that change is both possible and necessary for us to be right with God. We have to believe that Christ will help us. And we are here to help you also. We want to help you. If you need someone to talk with you or to pray with you or to give you some advice, again, just step to the next steps canopy after the service and they will help you or come find me and I will help you. But whether you stay trapped in your sin habit or whether you break free, 
really does begin with the choice you make. I want to conclude with this scripture from Psalm 32. I finally admitted all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. I said to myself, I will confess them to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Let's pray. Father, I see the struggle in some faces today. And I know that right this minute there are some who are trying to rationalize why it's okay for them to continue what they're doing or why their circumstance is different or why it's really not that important. But Father, would you help them to hear your voice clearly say, stop it in that sin, Hannah. Father, would you help them to believe again that it's possible? Father, some are just so discouraged because they've tried so many times. Father, would you give them the courage to try again, this time using your strength and your power? Father, would you help each one of us take steps towards you today? Father, thank you so much that while we were actively rebelling against you, you sent Jesus to die to pay the price for our sin. Father, thank you for giving up your son so that my sins could be forgiven. And Father, 